Hi, I'm Todd Dills, and in this edition of the Overdrive Radio Podcast, we'll be talking with uh, former Schneider National Senior Vice President Don Osterberg. Uh, regular readers may be familiar with Osterberg. He's been very active over the years in, uh, you know, being a you know, kind of a, a champion. I don't know if I would say champion. Uh, he, he's been very involved in, uh, in, in encouraging uh, the use of safety technology throughout trucking in a variety of ways. Uh, in a lot of cases, uh, he, he does believe that uh, certain things should be mandated for use, such as uh, uh, speed limiters, uh, electronic logging devices, uh, and a variety of other things. And in that, he is, of course, uh, in disagreement with a lot of, uh, of overdrive readers out there today, of course. But uh, hearing that uh, alternate perspective on things, I think, is important. Uh, as we uh, go forward into the future because the pace of technology uh, as he talks about in the podcast and part of our conversation here uh, is speeding up no doubt and things are coming at us as fast as uh, you know as fast as a big truck going down uh, going down SH-130 out in uh, Texas there the 85 mph toll road but one one particular question uh, that I put to uh, Osterberg, who today is serving on the advisory board of the Smart Drive company. They, they are one of the providers of the one of the dual camera systems that are out there that uh, look both out uh, through the front window and also uh, back into the cab. I asked him, you know, will these kinds of camera systems be mandated one day? And you know, ought they to be mandated? And, well, yeah, he says, along with those uh, things we were talking about earlier, electronic logging devices speed limiters to limit the severity of high-speed crashes, as he says, and one day or another, uh, what he sees as a quote-unquote daily fitness for duty uh, for drivers enabled by biometric measurement indicators, as yet uncommon, but uh, becoming more so as vendors attempt to develop real-time fatigue measurement technology. That stuff uh, today is pretty well in its infancy, but uh, we, we get into a little bit of that in the uh, in the podcast, and and one uh, quick note before we start. I'll go ahead and apologize first for the quality of the call, uh, the call audio here. We recorded it uh, a little a little while ago, and um, when I got down to editing it, I realized that our connection during the recording was not the best, or uh, or the recording was not picking it up as well as it could have. So it uh, cuts a little short at the end, and uh, I'll wrap up. I wrap up a little bit there with a little bit more about what. Uh, what, what we talked about after that. One of the things that uh, that I did when I assumed accountability for safety in the industry was to, and we really did a, a critical causal factor analysis of the highest severity crashes that, that we had been involved with to try to determine what causes those crashes. And in my experience, and, and in some ways shaped by my experience in the military, Whenever I'm confronted with a new challenge like that, I always, uh, when I look at each causal factor of crashes, I start to ask why. And generally, in my experience, when you get to about the third to the fifth why question, you actually uh, get to something that's actionable. So that's kind of the, the approach, if you will, or the methodology that we use to really not only understand what's causing uh, high severity crashes, but then in drilling into that, really get pragmatically to uh, actions that you can take to mitigate those risks on a go-forward basis. And so 
Uh, interesting, perhaps, uh, one of the things that I often talk about, especially when we're in, talking in the technology space, is that I have looked and will continue to look for what I call the, the silver bullet or the holy grail of safety technologies, although I don't believe there is one. Uh, we'll continue right. to look for it. Uh, and, and really, success flows from the layering of multiple imperfect solutions, the sum of which have a preventive effect. But as I kind of began to drill into that, one of the things that I discovered that if you attempt to apply a technology solution on top of a dysfunctional safety culture, uh, you will get disappointing results. So uh, it's, it's not certainly an anti-technology theme. You know, the first order of business for a motor carrier is to critically assess their safety culture. And is there congruence between the values that are espoused by the carrier and those that are enacted, if you will, by the drivers. Do you have a strong safety culture? In other words, have you created safety as a core value within your organization and not a situational value? And, and once you've addressed that, then you kind of graduate to, okay, what are the technology, what are the innovations, either current or future innovations that are going to materially improve performance. And then you start to get into uh, technologies. And, and there are, I think, a number of technologies today uh, that are very effective. And I'm very excited about the, uh, the maturation of some of these technologies and the speed at which we're actually bringing technologies to market now much faster mm -hmm. uh, than we used to. But so kind of translates translate into or transition, excuse me, into kind of this evolution and kind of where are we in the evolution. I, everybody's talking about big data now. It's the in mm -hmm. thing, not only in commercial trucking, but certainly in market analysis by retailers and other things. Big data is kind of the big theme. And I, I've often believed that uh, it's probably misnamed uh, because it's really not, in my view, about big data. It's really about big understanding. And that understanding, uh, you really have to translate the data in, into information that creates knowledge and understanding that are preconditional to informed decision making, which drive actions, which ultimately can improve safety performance. So when you think about kind of where we are in there, it's really uh, you know using smarter means to turn data into insights that enable better mm -hmm. understanding, which, as I said, leads to informed decision-making and timely action. So there was a time uh, when, in large part, I think due to the cognitive limitations that we all have, is that the availability of data, the magnitude of what we have access to these days, would have had a paralyzing effect. You, you've heard the, the phrase analysis paralysis. That, uh, you know, and I always argue, we, we always believe that we could reduce the uncertainty or increase uncertainty by increasing the data elements that we that we viewed. Uh, in many cases, and for a long time, it really served to have the opposite effect, that uh, because there were multiple interpretations of the available data sets, it created uh, equivocality. There is no such word as that, but I made it up. But the equivocality <laughs> or multiple different definitions of the same data set, and that had the paralyzing effect. But now, uh, I think we have the ability uh, through the maturation of the technology today to let the technology help us to sort out 
the relevant data elements and which combination of data elements have predictive value so that ultimately, you know, the objective has always, in my view, been to identify, let's just use risky driver behavior as an example, identify risky driver behavior preemptively so that you can intervene before the crash occurs. In the past, uh, we success flowed to those who could quickly react to a negative outcome and try to implement policy or technology changes to, to reduce the likelihood of a recurrence. And that was kind of an inherently reactive approach. Well, now we have the ability uh, to kind of leverage the data with effective analysis to identify those causes, if you will, or combination of mm -hmm. variables that, that predict future risk so that we can intervene uh, before the crash occurs. So that ultimately is the objective. Uh, and I think the kind of explosion of analytical tools and suppliers who can provide both sensors that generate the data and the ability to analyze that and translate it into this understanding that I talked about before is is really a I, I I'm I'm loath to use the term game changer because I think that is overused often, but I think this certainly has the potential to significantly change the landscape of how we think about uh, industry safety on a go-forward basis. So that's a very long kind of meandering diatribe yeah. and that's the table for where I think we are and kind of how we evolved to get there. So if you look out, you know, say 25, 30 years, I mean, do you think that, that the kind of uh, analysis that, that these tools are, are starting to uh, give us today, do you think it's going, that's going to be something that's commonplace across, uh, you know, the entire industry? Um, and uh, you know, and what else? What well, other kinds of uh, things will be? You know, will it be? Will this be something that you know an owner operator is doing across his, his own business? It, it's a great question, and here's kind of how you know if, if you're familiar with kind of the S curve of innovation. So, so the amount of time that that it takes to get to kind of that tipping point to where then a technology or an approach become common or kind of become mainstream. Uh, those those cycles have been compressed, uh, I think, a fair amount. I believe that we are at that tipping point as it relates to a number of technology uh, innovations in commercial uh, truck safety. Certainly, uh, you know, the video monitoring has gone from being kind of an abstract, perhaps in the minds of some being a, an unnecessary luxury, to now I think being viewed increasingly as an effective tool that you can use to address if you will, kind of the human in the loop or the, the behaviors. Uh, and it, it also, as we discussed in San Diego, it very importantly offers clarity around what actually happened uh, so that it can shape in the event that there is a crash, uh, that that clarity really shapes settlement strategies and post-crash litigation, which I, I think only helps uh, the motor carrier in the long run. So. I see us that, you know, if I'm right, if indeed we've hit that tipping point, I think you'll see more and more carriers, and to your question, even uh, independent contractors, embracing the value of technology in general uh, and certainly uh, video technology specifically. So I, I think we're at that point. Now, the one thing that we need to, I think, be mindful of and be careful of is we're all familiar with the the autonomous vehicles and I've spent a, a fair amount of time uh, 
working in my role in, in, in the MixAC, and I've been working with a number of, uh, of companies on autonomous vehicles, and it's exciting and it's sexy, but I don't believe in the time frame of the next 20 to 25 significant proliferation of autonomous vehicles. And that's not to say that it's not a good idea, but uh, it's, it, you know, the, the landscape in which we operate uh, 25 years from now is going to be more similar to what it is today than any Star Wars kind of uh, environment uh, that's characterized by uh, predominantly autonomous vehicles. It will happen, but it isn't going to happen anytime soon. So go back to my caution is for those that would say, well, I don't need to invest in the current generation of safety technologies in anticipation of the future that is autonomous vehicles, my recommendation would be don't wait because that future, while it will come, is going to be uh, well down the road. The other thing that I often caution people when they're thinking about technology is when you assess the, the state of technology at any point in time, you can quickly conclude that the next generation of that technology will be better than the current generation. Well, of course it will be. Uh, and if you allow yourself to chase the technology, in other words, if you allow yourself to say, well, I'm going to wait, uh, you will never catch, you will never make right. an execution or an implementation decision. So my recommendation is while imperfect, because all existing technologies have a degree of imperfection, default to implementing those programs, leverage the value that's inherent in those technologies uh, today, and then mature along with uh, those technologies mm -hmm. as you progress into the future. So uh, my message is, one, uh, autonomous vehicles will get here, but no time soon, and don't wait for the next generation of technology. The technologies that are available today are good enough for the purposes uh, of improving uh, fleet safety and carriers need to become more proactive in embracing those technologies and investing in those technologies, if you will, uh, in order to improve their safety performance. That, that leads sort of into a question I had about the, um, the camera systems themselves um, and where, how, how those are going to develop. I mean, what's the next generation of, the, of those kinds of systems look systems look like? I don't know if there's something about the, the cameras and the storage of the data that, that could change uh, in a significant way. Kind of the next step, and you might argue that we're at the doorstep of that evolution, uh, is one, to increase the number of sensors from which you can extract data, and certainly video uh, monitors are one type of sensor. But the ability to then fuse those indicators with all of the sensor, all of the data elements that come from disparate sensors, to fuse those together and to use it to enable uh, along with, and in kind of my view of the future is, is that you know, we have some practitioners today who run, develop and run predictive analytics models based on historical data. You know, you can look at a number mm -hmm. of different data elements like driver pay and time at home, various other things that really are historical. And I think they can be effective. Then we have others who look at more real-time indicators of performance or behavior, uh, and they will run kind of predictive analytics models off of near real-time 
mm -hmm. data inputs from those sensors. But I believe that marrying those two together, where we look both at the historical data elements relative to drivers and the environment, coupled with near real-time visibility that's enabled through video monitoring, is going to really have kind of a synergistic effect on the reliability of the predictions that the, of the risk predictions that come out of those models. So that's, I think that's the next kind of big step uh, to bring okay. those things together. And then, you know, continue to look for other sensor uh, inputs that, that you can, over time, you layer those in to increase the fidelity of the outputs of the models. One area that um, you hear hear more and more about, and it, I don't know that we're uh, at the at the tipping point on this with with respect to uh, use in, in sort of driving situations or not, but but is uh, fatigue uh, monitoring and things that uh, essentially you know it's like hooking up the body to the uh, the real time monitor essentially uh, and being able to tell uh, and being able to sort of track drivers uh, levels of fatigue, alertness, et cetera, over the course of time. I mean, is that something that... Uh... First of all, I think your instincts are taking you to exactly right. I mean, when you look at uh, fatigue as a contributing causal factor to uh, truck crashes, it's very clear uh, that we have to tackle more proactive fatigue management uh, than perhaps what we've done in the past. And, you know, it's, you kind of touched on it. I mean, as human beings, uh, you know, we, we're subject to all of the kind of the frailties of humanity, one of which is we get tired. And yep. so if if you're dispatching your drivers and a theoretical capability, what if they didn't sleep well last night? I think we'd all agree in a safety-sensitive vocation, drivers that didn't sleep well shouldn't be driving on the highways with our families. I think what will emerge is the ability to do a daily fitness for duty, or you, you can pick your 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 period, but let's just call it for the sake of discussion, a daily fitness for duty for commercial drivers. So combination of biometric indicators that you can get from some sensors along with, you know, one of the things that I often talk about, monitoring drivers' work rest patterns, and what I specifically focus on is what degree of what I call anchor sleep drift occurs in the driver's uh, normal pattern. So, for example, if one week the driver is largely uh, driving during the day and sleeping at night, but over time they evolve to the reverse of that where they're trying to secure the day and drive at night. Physiologically, as human beings, we, we're challenged with adapting that quickly. So, I, I believe, and, and it's my knowledge never been developed, but the ability to and, and I think electronic logging devices are, are going to be very helpful in being able to monitor work rest patterns for drivers and then couple that with uh, potentially fitness for duty assessments that can be done a number of different ways uh, I think are going to yield um, indicators of fatigue. Now, you know, I got to tell you that uh, it's it's going to be challenging, you know, whenever I talk about that, people say, gee, Don, you know, this is already a very dynamic environment that we operate in, and you're, you're suggesting that we add yet another variable uh, to an already uh, dynamic process, and the answer is yes.
and, and if they're curious about industry safety, uh, I think we have to take on the inherent complexity uh, that that would require because I think the benefits of doing so are going to be significant. And it's not going to be easy, uh, but I think I think it uh, has the potential to be an effective way of mitigating the risk of commercial driver fatigue. Well, you can hear the audio quality steadily deteriorating, so we'll cut the conversation there. But catch uh, reporting on Osterberg's daily fitness for duty notion in the April issue of Overdrive, and it's part two continuation of the Tomorrow's Trucker feature. 